Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me. Life-changing moments, life-changing people. Because on With Wit, very little is off limits. Hi everyone, welcome to Staying Home With Wit. Prior to the pandemic, I had the pleasure of speaking with Amy Ann Cadwell, co-founder and CEO of The Good Trade, a premier online destination for sustainable lifestyle content. The Good Trade annually reaches 50 million highly engaged readers through its website, daily newsletter, and cross-channel social media presence. For nearly five years, Amy Ann has been revolutionizing and democratizing content for women who want to live more consciously and as such has become a trusted voice for women to turn to, whether they're looking to unearth new brands that are more aligned with their ethics, plot the next steps in their career and beyond. During our chat, we discuss building a business from your passion, sustainability and fashion, sustainable brands Amy Ann loves, and so much more. I hope you enjoy this chat. Here is Amy Ann. Welcome to With Wit. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Tell me career-wise how you got started. What did you start out doing and how you got to the good trade? Cool. Yeah. So I started the good trade in grad school. Before that, I had worked at a law firm. I had worked at a barista, you know, lots of winding (laughs) things to lead me to that. But so I started the good trade in grad school. I was studying social entrepreneurship and sustainability. And at the time, the conversation I think felt very academic and a little bit tricky to kind of understand how do you actually implement sustainability in your day-to-day life in a much more like accessible, relevant way. And so- Which has become such a conversation now. Which is so exciting and so important. But I started grad school maybe seven years ago now and the conversation was just completely different. Right. And yeah, and then I think another part of kind of the journey to start The Good Trade was I had had a blog beforehand, just totally on the side. My husband and I had a local blog in Kansas City featuring like local restaurants. And when we moved to LA, we sold the publication because we were like, that's a little disingenuous to run a local blog about Kansas City. (laughs) When you're living in LA, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we sold it and it had just been a hobby for us. But I was really itching to like create again and wanted to write content and, you know, shoot, make beautiful imagery. And mm-hmm. and so this was really a topic that I felt really strongly about. And that's how we got started. Amazing. Okay. So first I have a couple questions. What exactly is social entrepreneurship? 
social entrepreneurship kind of takes the idea that companies should exist for more than just maximizing profit for their shareholders. Okay. They should have some sense of responsibility to all the constituents in their community, whether that's their employees through the production process or that's the communities where they're manufacturing. Mm -hmm. And then the end consumer, like, do these products are they actually healthy for people? So social entrepreneurship kind of encompasses those questions about thinking about companies that approach entrepreneurship to solve a social problem, but also consider the environmental impact and human rights impact of their company. Mm -hmm. I mean, that makes sense. It feels to me like if you're starting a company, it's something that you have to think about. You have to have some sort of mission like that because there's just so much going on. It's so important to think about not just what your net sales are going to be at the end, but like how is what you're doing actually affecting not only like humankind, but our ecosystem. Like we just have to be more of a conscious like business person and consumer. I think that's really, really important. So are you from Kansas City? I am. Okay. So I... I go to Lake of the Ozarks every oh, summer. Fun. Yeah. Yay. So I have been going there ever since I was born. Oh, that's so special yeah. with your family. Or? Yeah. So my grandparents traveled. They used to never fly. They okay. would just like road trip yep. everywhere. And one night they had to stay at a motel in Lake of the Ozarks and they woke up and they were like on this amazing lake. And yeah, like, where really are we? <laughs> and they fell in love with it. They were Aww. never really LA people and then just bought a place. And then that year I was born and my parents brought me to visit them. And then ever since then, we've been going every summer. So, so Missouri holds a very Aww, special place really in my special. heart. Yeah. When did you guys move to LA? We moved in 2014. Okay. So, yeah. so was it your job that brought you out here? It was or actually what? grad school. Okay. Yeah. It was this program. At the time, there were very few MA, MBA programs focused on sustainability. It's still Mm -hmm. very new. Mm -hmm. And so we ended up in LA and I thank God every day that we're here. (laughs) Yeah. So much lovelier. (laughs) I mean, I have like an opposite feeling. I'm always like, how can I get Get out out of of LA? LA. Because I was born and raised here. And so I definitely see it through a different lens. Like, do you like to go to New York or like, like totally small town and get out of the city? I think totally small town. Like I just want to have a different experience. Not because I don't love Los Angeles and I appreciate everything it has to offer. And, you know, we have so much at our fingertips, but at the same time, like, sometimes you just want a simpler existence when it's not something that you've always had. But I can see if I were, if I grew up in Missouri, how Los Angeles would be someplace (laughs) that I would want to live. Okay. So tell us a little bit about the good trade and what your mission is and how it got started. Yeah. And the evolution of it. Cool. Yeah. So it started very much as like blog, side hustle, hobby, and Fairly quickly on, we had a lot of engagement around fashion specifically, people and beauty as well. People being really interested in like, what are companies that might be doing better by people in the planet? And how can I be more, you know, organic about what I'm putting on my body? Mm-hmm. So we started gaining a lot of traction there. And uh, it was about a year and a half that I, after we had started publishing, that I went full time and started scaling a team. Today, we have a full-time team of editors that work from our studio 
on the east side of LA. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we have a network of contributors that also write and support the work. And so, yeah, we have our website. We have a daily newsletter that's just for women. We have over 100,000 women that open that newsletter every day. It's like really beautiful. It's like easy, very simple tips for sustainability every day. And then our social channels. And that's that's what we do. For those who haven't been on it, are you also selling product on your website? No, we're not. not. We have picked a lane and that lane is like just content and publishing. Editorial content. Yes, yeah. Exactly. There's a lot of people that are listening that are thinking about starting their own companies and feel a little bit lost, you know, how to start, where to start. Obviously, a lot of it first comes with having like some sort of mission. So you had your mission. Your mission was to how do I make like sustainable fashion, sustainable beauty? How do I bring that into people's homes? Right. So what was the first step you took? Like what were you doing on your own before you started hiring all these people? Yeah. Yeah, I I think that's a great question because it's always a really hard transition to take a side hustle or passion into like a full-time job. It's scary. It's super scary. Yeah. And then to start bringing non-people into that is is also kind of terrifying. Right. Um, To then be responsible (laughs) for this team of people. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing that was very important for me in helping with that transition and, and something I ask people when they're kind of in that stage of trying to decide whether to go full time, you know, do you love what you're doing and do you love who you're doing it for? And mm-hmm. that's been such a powerful, I think, part of our company growth is like we I love creating the work and our team does as well. But we also have this really deep love and, and vision to serve and nurture our readers and to come alongside her and support her and to be women's focused media that doesn't tell women like you're not doing enough and you're not you don't look good enough right and, you we know, don't need any more of that no we yeah. really don't and so so I think that's like a really important thing is is that love for like the product but also the end consumer mm-hmm. then I think like metrics and traction are really important like do you, are people interested in what you're doing so some of those early steps for me before deciding to go full-time was like market research. Like, Mm -hmm. what are the metrics that make sense? Like, how much audience do I need to have before I can start leveraging that to brands, to work with partnerships? Mm -hmm. And what are the size of those partnerships? And, you know, how many people can that sustain? And, you know, I had a like really actually solid sense of of the market and the industry before going full time. And I think that's something that gave me a lot of confidence Mm -hmm. and is necessary when kind of making that transition. For sure. Did you have any mentors or people that inspired you that helped you through that? Because I can imagine that's kind of like a lonely space to be in. And there's no right or wrong answer when choosing to do this, you know? Yeah, I did have mentors from my graduate program, which was very helpful, like in the sustainability side of things. Mm -hmm. I really struggled to find mentors on the media side. Mm -hmm. And I also kept running up against this wall where I saw all the CEOs and founders, not all, but a large majority of CEOs and founders, even in the women's lifestyle space were men, you you know, and even like six or seven years ago, the landscape was totally different than it is right now. Yeah. And I really struggled with that because I was like, wait, you know, am I going to stand out? Do I have what it takes? Are people going to take me seriously? Mm -hmm. It was really important for me to find voices that were help 
helpful to like build my confidence around that mm-hmm. too. But then also just like develop that own confidence in myself to be like, no, wait, I can totally do this. Right. Do you remember any certain things that the mentors or people that inspired you said to help you through because I feel like there have been a lot of those people for me that have given me those little words of wisdom and tips that have like pushed me over the hill so that I felt more confident yeah I think probably the most helpful thing was someone who walked through with me and she was she was a mentor that I had had from grad school she walked through with me like what are you afraid of? Like, what's mm-hmm. a worst case scenario mm-hmm. here? Worst case scenario is for me, it ended up being like, I fail and it's embarrassing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, and of course there's like financially scary things and all of that. And all of that was scary for me too, but not as scary as like, wait, what if I have this public failure? Right. And can I overcome that? And I think that just took some wrestling for me to think through like, I think my mom will still love me. 100%. I think my dogs will still adore me. Like, yeah. you know, really realizing like I was willing to take that risk. Yeah. I think that that is so important and that knowing that you are going to try so many things and you can't expect them all to work yeah. out. Like that's just not For real sure. life. Yeah. You know, I had to learn that tough lesson when I had my clothing line. I started yeah. Whitney Eve in 2008 and then I ended up closing it in 2014. And it was so amazing. And I felt like I felt like this it was something I was going to be doing forever. But then my dad passed away and he's someone who I started the company with. And I just couldn't keep yeah, it up anymore. Like it was just emotionally yes. draining. And every day I'd go into that office and I would think about him and I was like, I can't do this. Yeah. And so I I ended up like closing the doors and it was actually like this huge weight lifted off my shoulders. You know what I mean? Like I thought it was going to be, like you said, shameful that I was in the public eye and people were watching what I was doing. And then that I had to like close up direction. Yeah. Yeah. But, but honestly, like that, the ending of that sparked so many other new beginnings. And that's what I think is so important for people to realize. So you guys know I like to wear really dainty gold jewelry. Some of it is fine. Some of it is not. But a lot of it is actually from Missouri. And you ask me all the time where I get it. And it's usually from Missouri. So I'm so excited that they're actually a sponsor and partner this episode because I really, really, really love them. They are fine jewelry makers, but for your everyday. So they make all those beautiful dainty pieces that you can layer and wear every single day and never take off and just go with everything. They're completely fairly priced, handcrafted and ethically sourced. So think 14 karat gold hoops, everyday diamonds, and even personalized necklaces with your initials. Super cute gifts as well. I know we just passed gift giving, but Valentine's Day is coming up. Even if you want to get one for your bestie. Anyways, the best part is no green fingers, which is like what you get from jewelry that oxidizes and everything is made with the highest quality materials and designed to last. So instead of big seasonal releases, Missouri launches new products every single Monday. How exciting is that? You don't have to wait like a whole season. Every single Monday they have a new drop and there's something for everyone. I know we may be going nowhere, but jewelry is something that I have put on when I feel like I still want to wear my sweats, but put a cute pair of hoops on and feel put together. 
because jewelry is one of the easiest ways to upgrade your work from home look, especially shoulders up, right? Like I said, sweatsuit, hoops, layered necklaces, chunky rings, all of it. Look and feel your best with fine jewelry that is made to last. You can get free shipping on all US and Canada orders, plus easy returns and a two-year warranty. Head to Missouri.com slash with wit for 10% off your first order. That's Missouri, M-E-J-U-R-I.com slash with wit for 10% off your first order. Hey everybody, Gabby Reese here. Please join me for my show where we're going to be talking about all things self-care. And I don't mean just eating and exercise. I'm talking stress, marriage, relationships, parenting, business, transitions. How do we figure out a way to be our best selves each and every day? So whether you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen, please join me. If you'd like, rate, subscribe, and leave us a review. If you want to see some of the behind the scenes action, just follow me at Gabby Reese. And remember, don't miss new episodes every Monday. And now back to our chat. So you started by just basically like shooting what kinds of content, writing yeah. about what kinds of content. Yeah. Like what was the stuff that really started picking up that that you were finding people were liking? Yeah, I think our first ever content piece to kind of go viral yeah. was a guide to fair trade fashion companies. So it was like 35 brands that had, you know, fair trade certifications or some type of kind of rigorous um, certification process for the production okay. of their kind of company line. And mm-hmm. so can you just explain real quick what fair trade yeah. means? Yeah. So fair trade is a specific certification process that examines essentially like all the labor that's happening in a company. So okay where the materials are getting sourced and then the factory workers. And it's ensuring that those factory workers have fair wages for whatever country they're living in. It's a livable wage. They have access to like restrooms during their work day. They have some level of breaks. You know, we obviously have all of those. That's all legislated here Here in the U.S. Yeah. Although, unfortunately, like we still have shit uh, happens. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. Not everything is overseen. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Unfortunately, even, yeah. even in Los Angeles, but but internationally, it's even harder to regulate because mm-hmm. those countries may not have the types of regulations and protections that we do. Mm-hmm. And then especially in the fashion industry, there's a lot of chemicals that are really that are used in the production process that can be really harmful to people. Yes. I remember sometimes getting samples back or production in and opening up the boxes and being like, what is this smell? (laughs) Like, this is not clothing. Like, they're putting something Mm. in here. Yeah. 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 Dyes, preservatives, all different types of things that are used that, you know, if you were exposed to, like, there are whole villages internationally where, like, Every single child has birth defects because, you know, it's polluted the air and the water. And that was one of the early content pieces that people just like wanted affordable options, options that were like aesthetically interesting. Mm -hmm. I'm just so curious to know who was an early adopter. Well, early adopters that like Patagonia, very early adopter. They're amazing. Then a lot of UK brands, like the UK was definitely kind of closer on this path than than we were. So mm-hmm. People Tree is one of the larger ones. So those were some of the 
early companies, but a lot of the ones, even international or U.S., it's like picture like a white linen caftan and that's kind of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? What's exciting now is like there's so many more brands that are and a ton of brands here in L.A. that are so fantastic, very style forward. And they're producing here in L.A. They're like gathering organic materials, you know, Reformation. It's like totally a standout mm-hmm. in in how they're approaching everything from their their factories to like their packaging and all of these aspects. And right. important part of this conversation is like no brand can do everything. So it's definitely exciting to see, you know, brands take the lead in certain areas. Right. So. Or even having just like small footprints. Like I think totally. about H&M, how yeah. they have their conscious collection. Totally. But like maybe it doesn't make sense that every single piece in their yeah. store is from the conscious collection, but at least but they're making towards. some sort yeah. of effort. Right. Exactly. So, okay. So you put this piece out and that's when you notice people yeah. were really starting to care about this idea this of sustainability. Idea. Yeah. Especially definitely in the fashion space and then our content around beauty, definitely about around food. I think people are like, you know, I want to be, know the story of the product that I'm like putting on my face or putting on my body or in my body Mm -hmm. and understand the ethics of it, but also the sustainability and just like, is this good for me? Mm -hmm. Is it better to have organic beauty or not? And so we were there. Like how much of a difference is it actually making? Yeah. how important is it? And all of the answers to those questions are like so nuanced. It's definitely Yeah, not. I was just like, going to ask like how how <laughs> yeah, important, is it, important totally. is it really? Like do I need yeah. to clean out my whole toilet no, seat cabinet? No, no, <laughs> no, definitely not. I mean, I think one, it comes down to personal preference by yeah. far, you know. And, and I think the whole conversation around like ethics and sustainability is like none of us can do everything. So it's important for people to like pick the one or two things that are important to them. Mm-hmm. Even more broadly, like for me, when I buy from a company, whether it's especially if it's like a product made for female identifying people, mm-hmm. it's important to me that like women are founders at that company. Yes. So yes. like a lot of the beauty brands I focus on, I love natural or- and organic ingredients. It is better. Like your body is absorbing a lot of the things that are in our beauty products. So of course, I love to go organic when I can, but I'm also like, wait, does this company have female representation? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's important to me. So I think it's about like picking your your values. The what's important. What's right. important to you mm-hmm. and then following that the best that you can. If I were to go into your house, yeah. is all of your clothes, you know, are they mostly all from sustainable, fair trade, you know, certified companies? Are your beauty products all like that? And yeah. then I want to hear like, specific brands so totally. that people who yes. are passionate or like yeah, interested curious. in this can can check out what you love and yeah. who you believe in. Starting with my closet, it's taken six or seven years to get there, but most of my closet is is like sustainable or vintage. Other brands I love are definitely Reformation. I love the brand Cezanne. They're French, mm-hmm. but they ship here to the U.S. and uh, they're just like really pretty, beautiful, all really natural fabric. Oh, that's good. I love that cool. brand, but I didn't know that they yeah. were sustainability yeah, focused at all. Yeah, yeah that's really amazing. about it. 
Yeah. So that's my closet. Beauty is a little tougher because I like things that work. <laughs> yeah. And you don't want stuff that's just <laughs> going to come up in five seconds. Exactly. I know beauty is hard. It is a little tough. I mean, there's so much out there. Yeah. I think skincare, it's easy to find um, more organic, yeah. natural things. Yeah. But when it comes to actual makeup, I feel yes. like sometimes the pigmentation of things and how exactly. long it lasts long is yeah. just not necessarily practical. But what are some of the skincare lines that you love. I love RMS. That's my favorite. They're fantastic. And and their stuff like does have some staining power compared to the other organic options. 100% pure. Okay. I really like them. And then what about skincare? Herbivore Botanicals. Okay. They're great. I use them for like cleanser and they're really price accessible, which is awesome. And that's a huge part of this conversation too is like a lot of more ethical, sustainable brands are more expensive. It it takes more resources to produce right. a more kind of conscious line, whether it's beauty or, or fashion. And so, or and food. I mean, that, and is, food too. that is sort of like the issue with the whole conversation is that it, yes, it is becoming more accessible, but like to buy organic food, there's a markup. And so, you know, oh, what do some of your customers say when they can't necessarily afford something? Totally. Like, how do you how do you help have them that conversation? Talk- yeah. yeah, it's one we have a lot with our readers because it is such an important part of this conversation that if we're actually going to have an impact, that this whole conversation is inclusive and in that a lot of us can be involved. Or right. All of us can right. be involved. So. With food, food is trickier because we all need it and you can't have less of it to make it go farther in the same way you can have fashion. Like you can. Yes. You buy, can use a sweater over and over exactly. and over again. Like you can't eat yeah, an apple. Like you can five times. reduce yeah. Yeah, what you go for, like quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. With these other areas, certainly fashion, definitely like furniture. It's like invest in pieces that are well-made and mm-hmm. you'll get the financial like return mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. Food is a little trickier. And I think that when we, our community talks about this, it is about like picking your values and starting there. Mm-hmm. So if your value is like, hey, I food is really important to me. I want to feed my family and myself in a way that aligns with my values for health, but also like how people were treated when they harvested these mm-hmm. beans or mm-hmm. this. Or how the animals were treated. Yeah, the yeah. animals were treated. Mm-hmm. Then that's a great place to start. And like, don't change your whole lifestyle. Start with one place that matters to you. And mm-hmm. I think that makes the conversation a lot more accessible for people. Yes. Um, To start somewhere really practical that most aligns with their own like interests and passions. What are some of the stories that you're finding that people are really interested in and getting the most traction? Definitely like the wellness conversation Mm -hmm. and and self-care conversation Mm -hmm. beyond just like products and practices, but also like how do I actually be like a whole real connected person? And most of our readers are like, professional women. A lot of them are mothers. Mm -hmm. They're busy. They have a lot of demands on their life. They're trying to be better about the world and the planet. That's a lot of things to juggle all at once, you know, caregiving for parents, all of that. Mm -hmm. And one thing that we've kind of learned through this journey is like 
you cannot take care of the planet if you don't take care of yourself. A hundred percent. Obviously. Yeah. You know? It seems obvious when yeah. you say it, but then to actually do it and it. take care of yourself yeah. is not as easy. It's yeah. not. And, and it has to go beyond just, you know, I take a bath. Right. Which is great. Right. And we all should take a bath if we enjoy <laughs> taking baths. But like, what does it actually mean to like, really ultimately prioritize yourself Mm -hmm. and prioritize your needs. Not as just, I am a conduit for my child's needs or I am a conduit for my community or I am important because I take care of other people. Mm -hmm. But like, I'm important because I'm important. Right. As simple as that. And so what are those things that are resonating that you're telling people like how to connect with that? Totally. So a lot of our specific pieces that are resonating are like, morning routines, mm-hmm. how to like carve out a moment for yourself and prioritize whatever it is that matters to you in the morning. Is that exercise? Is that a healthy breakfast? Is that, you know, a few minutes of journaling or meditation? But mm-hmm. we've done a piece where we had our editors each share their morning routines. We invited our readers to share personality type things. So definitely the signs, the astrology signs, yeah. the Enneagram, like understanding yourself better through the lens of different personality tests or different kind of lens that might help give you language for like, what motivates me? Mm -hmm. What do I need? How do I act, interact with other people? Or why am I feeling the way that I'm feeling? It's sometimes even hard to know where certain emotions are coming from. I think one of the big things like, because I've talked, I mean, this podcast is all about self-care and I'm interviewing so many young moms, young entrepreneurs that are trying to even find this themselves. One of the big things I think that women should do is just taking a breather when you feel like you're about to explode. Like sometimes it's so so hard to to carve out like an hour a day for working out or carve out the morning for the morning routine. Like all these things are important. And I try to do some of them. Like my hot water with lemon every (laughs) morning is something. And I found that asking for help in moments when you just feel like you can't take it anymore and just like taking a few minutes to go like scream in your car or take some deep breaths outside or whatever it is, like just go on an errand by yourself to just really listen to those moments. This is such an interesting chat for me. I love your website. I think what you guys are doing is so amazing. So where can we all find you? Yeah. So we're at thegoodtrade.com. And then all of our social channels are at The Good Trade. And our daily newsletter is called The Daily Good. And that's a great way to like start getting dip your toe in like what we're doing. That community is so engaged there on our newsletter. And you can find that on our site or our social channels. Amazing. I'm going to sign up for that newsletter right now. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you loved this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. I'd love to hear what you think and anything more or even less you'd want to hear about. Tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. If you want to know more about what I'm up to, you can find me on Instagram at Whitney Eve Port, my website, WhitneyPort.com, and my YouTube channel, Whitney Port. Peace in the streets.